This episode is brought to you by Evermill. Evermill makes the world's most elegant spice rack that features text-to-refill organic spices in compostable packets, as well as a suite of kitchen products that help you cook so you can focus on sharing meals with the ones you love. This episode is brought to you by Equipped. Equipped is a modern luxury fitness brand that creates stylish, compact, portable, and versatile fitness equipment that will inspire you to move anytime, anywhere, whether you have half a minute or half an hour. Stay tuned for some special offers from our amazing sponsors exclusively for Stairway to CEO listeners later in the show. Hello, everyone. It's Lee Green, and welcome back to the Stairway to CEO podcast. It's my mission to bring you real, honest, and unfiltered interviews with some of the most innovative founders and CEOs from all walks of life. We'll talk about their climb to the top, their stumbles along the way, and the steps they took to get them to where they are. So tune in to get inspired, listen to some real talk, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Lee Green, and welcome back to the Stairway to CEO podcast. This is episode 139, and today I sat down with Steven Eisen, the founder and CEO of both the functional beverage brand Elements and the charity bracelet brand Loci. We talked about how he sold wooden pens in high school, how his grandfather's diagnosis with Alzheimer's disease inspired him to create Loci when he was just 19 years old, why the top of Mount Everest might not be as beautiful beautiful as we all think, and what it's like running two businesses at once. If you'd like to grab a loci bracelet of your own and support an amazing cause, you can use the promo code podcast 15 to get 15% off any order on loci.com. That's L-O-K-A-I.com. I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to click subscribe and check us out on stairwaytoceo.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, Steven, thanks so much for joining the show today. I'm really excited to hear your story and building two companies, Loci and Elements. Thanks for joining us. Lee, thank you for having me. So where are you from originally? Where'd you grow up? Boston area, I think you said, no? Originally from Boston, Chestnut Hill, to be exact. Uh, and I've been in New York ever since I graduated college. Where'd you go to college? Cornell. Nice. My grandfather went to Cornell. <laughs> Amazing. Go, go big red. <laughs> and so what were you like as a kid growing up? Did you have siblings? What did your parents do? What was childhood like? I have a younger sister. She's about three years younger than me. We have a great relationship. My father was an entrepreneur. My mother's someone who has always instilled in me helping others and giving back and putting others first. I was a, I was a big athlete growing up. Uh, played football, ran track, ended up running track at Cornell. So super competitive and always had the entrepreneurial spirit. Even as a little kid, I had, I was the one with the lemonade stand, the car wash stand, and it just kept going from there. Nice. I haven't, I have not gotten the car wash thing yet on the show. That's a good one. Oh I yeah. I would Anything that I could do to make money as a kid, I would try to do. Can you think of anything else that you did? Yeah, I mean, in I loved woodworking in high school. Uh, and so I made custom wood pens. 
I started like a little business in high school that was pretty successful. Once I went to college, it just ended. But um, yeah, always, always trying to do things. When I was when I was little, little, I'd make bets with friends. I'd try to make money any way I could. And where did that come from? That did that come from? Maybe seeing your dad as an entrepreneur, and what did he do? The entrepreneurial part definitely came from my father. He saw that there was a huge gap in individuals who don't know how to play musical instruments and the expense that it costs to buy your first instrument. Uh, and so he actually brought musical instruments to the mass market. So affordable first instruments for people that wanted to try it out. Uh, the company was called First Act. He sold that business um, when I was at, in college or after college. But no, I've always just had that drive. I think I've always been very competitive and I'm not a professional athlete, obviously, but I kind of view the game of business and making money as like a, a score. Caveat that by saying, like, I know what true happiness is and I prioritize family and friends and the time I spend not working. But yeah, I've always had this game that I've played with myself with money. And how do you keep score? I keep score by how much I give back to charity. What do you mean? Like how much money I've donated to charity. Okay. So what are you, what are you saying? So like whatever amount you make and then however much you're able to donate, the more you donate, the more you've made, which means you've done good for that year. Yeah, and good for others and helped others. And I believe that you can build businesses that give back at the same time that don't have to just be for profit to only make a profit. And so Loci donates 10% of profits to charity. And uh, Loci has donated a little over $9.4 million to different nonprofit organizations since we've launched. That's incredible. And you've had the business for like over 12 years now, right? Yeah, I came up with it, uh, low-con my freshman year at Cornell. My grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and that brought me to a low in my life. I was thinking about the highs and lows that I was going through and how everybody goes through highs and lows. It doesn't matter your age, demographic, income level. We all have them. And so I said, okay, well, what's a product I could make that people could wear every day as a reminder to stay balanced in life, staying humble when you're on top of the world and hopeful when you've hit a low? And I told my dad the idea for taking elements from Mount Everest in the Dead Sea and putting them in a loci, a bracelet. And he said, that's a great idea, but everyone has great ideas. Now go execute it. And so I bootstrapped the company, started by Googling how to find a factory in China and have been building it ever since. So how do you get these elements from what Mount Everest? I mean, do you have people like climbing this mountain for you? Like, how does this work? Yeah, we do, actually. Uh, so mud from the Dead Sea is a lot easier to get. They make a lot of beauty masks and skincare products out of mud from the Dead Sea. So we're able to easily find a supplier uh, to provide us that mud. The water from Mount Everest, like, I think the first person I called in Nepal was like a pizza shop. Like, I was just reaching out to anyone I could get a hold of, a number or email in Nepal. And through a bunch of connections, I got connected to a climbing group. Like if you wanted to go climb Everest, you couldn't just go alone. You'd have to employ people to help you climb. 
uh, and go with a group. And so we essentially employ a team of Sherpas to climb the base camp to collect the water, bring it down and ship it to our factory. And then put it in the bracelet. Yes. I feel like it's probably pretty good drinking water now. <laughs> like instead of putting it in a bracelet, maybe you put it in a bottle and you can drink it. You know, it's actually really sad. Mount Everest is a very dirty place. Really? Why? I mean, there's no trash cans going up the mountain, right? And so whether it's going to the bathroom or it's your gear or bodies or oxygen tanks, climbers just leave them all over the place. You mean, what uh, you mean bodies? You're saying like bodies are left up at the top. All over the mountain, yeah. There's dead bodies. So we, um, we actually one of one of the charitable things that we've done as a company, uh, we funded a cleanup expedition, and we cleaned up. I think it was like 400 oxygen tanks, tons of trash. We cleaned up. We brought a body down the mountain, and then we took those oxygen tanks, melted them down, and turned them into a jewelry line that we sold. Oh wow. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. I mean, it totally takes away the kind of fantasy of, oh, Mount Everest being this like beautiful mountaintop to, well, there's uh, dead bodies up there just hanging out. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. If you, if you Google like Mount Everest trash, it's pretty sad to see actually. Oof. And now it's, be- and now it's become like a tourist attraction a bit. And so people like, you're like, if you want to climb Everest, you're kind of like waiting in lines to like go up. Yeah. 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 I could imagine if there's a bunch of trash up there, it's definitely a tourist uh, situation. <laughs> oh man. And the lines. So you're basically waiting, what, freezing your ass off, trying to get up this mountain. And you're just like waiting for the tourists in front of you to hurry up. Yeah. I have not climbed Mount Everest. <laughs> you just know a lot about it. Cause you get some of the water from it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you had this unfortunate event with your grandfather that inspired you to start this bracelet company. And what were some of the first things that you did? I mean, I'm sure a bunch of people were like, "Did you? what naysayers did you have saying, what are you doing starting a bracelet company? Were you kind of second guessing yourself at any time? I think a, a key to being a successful entrepreneur is a very high level of self-confidence. I was definitely young and naive, which I think at the time is great, right? Ignorance is bliss. I had full confidence in myself that it was going to be successful. And everyone that said it was a stupid idea, oh, that's never going to work. Oh, how many bracelets can you sell? I, I never listened to them, which I think is a bit lucky, right? I think now in the, in, um, into my second company, I've realized the importance of like understanding your total addressable market and price point and, and all the different kind of factors that play into success beyond just the idea that you have. But I didn't then, and I just kind of ran forward. And yeah, I mean, when I first started, like I did it the old school way. I had a display with my product and I was walking door to door. Uh, in New York City, walking into boutiques, say, asking if there was an owner or a manager I could speak to. And I got turned down like 99% of the time. But the one store that said yes, it fueled me to keep going. And 
Yeah, it was slow for years. Yeah. I mean, if you today, I feel like went to 99 store or 100 stores and 99 of them said no, I think people might say, mm, you know, that's not great odds for, for like a validating a concept, right? But that's good that you kept going and made it work. And so at what point were you like, this is really working and I'm going to take this to the next level? I think during, and those no's, although they were really tough to hear, I think something I learned through all of those no's was if you just keep going, you're that much closer to the next yes. Being afraid to be told no, I think is something that a lot of people use as an excuse or they don't use it as an actual excuse, but they just don't keep going because they're afraid to hear hear the word no. Uh, and eventually when you hear it enough, you get numb to it and it no longer affects you in how you're operating. So I think it was a great lesson to just get her no af- after no after no. What I did learn though, even when I got those no's and the yeses that I got, people loved the story and the message and everyone always told me their story, like without even asking told me their story of highs and lows in their life after I told them about my grandfather and Alzheimer's. And you could just see that emotional connection that people had with the brand and the product itself. And from very early on, I realized this company will be successful if I'm able to reach enough people with my story and then figure out how to use them to tell others about their story, which in turn tells people about our brand. And one of the big unlocks was using people on social media with huge followings, which we now call celebrities and influencers, or call them influencers. And I would reach out to them through Instagram if I saw that they were supporting your cause. So if they were supporting pride or Alzheimer's or Make-A-Wish or breast cancer. And I'd say, hey, we have this loci that supports a cause I know you care about. Can I send you some? And then it just became a ripple effect and started to explode. That's awesome. Because who says no to that, you know? (laughs) Totally. It's a vehicle for people to talk about the cause they care about. Yes, that's awesome. Very cool. What were, what was one of the kind of pivotal, most transformative, like big, amazing moments in building that business? And then what was one of the lowest points? So we'll do the Mount Everest and the, the deep sea, just like you do in the bracelets. I love it. Highlight is when I think back is definitely, I went on a wish and I, I now I'm on the, I'm on the national board of the Make-A-Wish Foundation but previous to being on the board, uh, we partnered with Make-A-Wish and I got to meet a new friend and his name is Noah. And his wish was to meet Cam Newton, who happened to be a friend of mine. And we made that wish happen and got to see the impact that that kid and his family experienced and the hope that it gave them and the perspective that it put in my own life into what I believed was easy and hard and just the impact that we as a company have on others' lives 
firsthand. So, and that was just a highlight that I'll never forget. And I'm still in touch with Noah. We text and talk all the time and he's become a great friend of mine. I've matured and learned a ton since starting Lokai. I started it when I was 19. I think you really learn to become a leader as you experience more and just learn from, from other founders and CEOs. And uh, I think early on, I believed I could do everyone's job better than they could do it. And so I micromanaged people. I was on top of people and pushing people hard and people quit. And I think people leaving and quitting was a huge low to me because I took it so personally, part of which I think was because I wasn't as good of a manager as I am now. Also, I just didn't, I don't think I understood or appreciated people's lives and what they wanted to do, right? Like now we, we still have churn as a company, just like any company, but I think people leave for different reasons, whether they want to work in an office again, they just want to do something different in their lives. And I, I just take a different perspective now to that. And I try to create the best working environment that I can for my team. Because you were a solo founder with Lokai, right? And so, I mean, I was a solo founder building my first company and it's hard not to take it personal when you're young totally. and figuring it out. And like, what do you, you're like, what do you mean you're going to leave me? What do you mean you're leaving? Yeah, <laughs> it, it hurts. Really hard. It does. It's hard not to take it personal, but it's fun to look back and be like, ah, you know, people are just trying to live their life. Totally. <laughs> the company was just a stepping stone and it was just so hard to accept at that time. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to accept that your baby or your most passionate, you know, thing that you're working so hard to build can just be a stepping stone for someone else. You know, it just doesn't feel right. I agree. I, I think the, and the way that I try to look at it now is like, how can I help the people that are working at Loci grow the most that they can while they're here and learn as much as they can? And hopefully that fulfills them and wants and they want to stay. But I think the the alternative is if you don't teach people and really mentor them and help them grow and they do stay, then you have people that are working for you that don't really know what they're doing. And so it's I always take the opinion it's better to teach people and let them continue on in their career than stay and not having been properly trained or mentored. Yeah. How have you grown um, personally and professionally as a leader? I owe a ton of credit to the Make-A-Wish organization and the board of Make-A-Wish. I believe like it's crazy. The more you give, the more you get back in return, not financially, but just in experiences and in ways you never would believe. And there are some absolutely incredible leaders and operators that sit on the Make-A-Wish board, watching how they make decisions, how they're emotional about the mission, but so unemotional about the business decisions that need to be made that are best for the organization and how they put value on people and like 
backup plans and really thinking about the next five years. I've just learned so much from that organization. And so I really try to take that and be a student when I'm there and uh, bring that to my company. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. When was the last time you looked in your spice drawer? If you're like me, you probably have to look at it every time you cook, which is a lot. And it looks like a complete disaster. Different size seasonings, different brands, it's a mess and totally uninspiring. That's until I discovered Evermill, the most beautiful and inspiring spice rack I've ever seen. And it looks gorgeous both on your countertop for everyone to see and compliment, or it looks great in your spice drawer too. Not to mention, they send you refills in compostable packets that you can get to delivered straight to your door simply by sending a text message. So if you're looking for an amazing gift idea, you have to check it out. They also just released two new products, a white marble salt well and an aluminum pepper mill, perfect for the person who you think has everything. You can get 15% off by using the promo code stairway15 on evermill.com. That's 15% off site-wide for the first time ever using the code stairway15 at evermill.com. Do you struggle to find time to go to the gym or even just work out at home somehow? What about the ugly weights you're probably hiding in your closet or under your bed? Out of sight, out of mind, am I right? Meet Equipped, a female-founded luxury fitness brand with a no-pressure approach to movement that creates gorgeous weights that look so good, you can place their U-shaped weight called the U-bar on your coffee table and your friends will probably think it's a new art piece. Or if you're on the go, just throw on their U-wrap super stylish vegan leather ankle weights so that you can get a little workout in while running your errands in style. Featured in everything from Vogue to the Financial Times, Equipped makes it easier to move through life. And if you're looking for a great gift idea this holiday season, you can get 20% off on EquippedMovement.com using the promo code STAIRWAY20. That's 20% off luxury fitness equipment using the code STAIRWAY20 on EquippedMovement.com. Thank you so much to our amazing sponsors. I hope you're able to take advantage of these exclusive deals designed just for you. Now let's get back to the show. And you started Elements about three, four-ish almost years ago, right? And so before we kind of dive into like how you came up with that idea and how that's been going... Is it true to say that like the national board, you being on like this board of Make-A-Wish, it's kind of like the only other job-ish that you've had outside of being an entrepreneur? Is this kind of maybe the only other insight you may have had into another company because you haven't really had, let's say, quote unquote, a real job before. Is that true? It's, it's a good insight. You caught that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but hey, I'm one, I'm similar. Like I, I have not had many like real jobs. Like this is not who I am. I'm an entrepreneur. I don't really work. Well, I don't want to work for other people. You know? <laughs> I yeah. just don't like it. Um, so I never went that direction. Totally. So I could see how like, I'm like, where else do you get that insight? And that's a great opportunity is to be working at a, with a nonprofit. And cause you really do gain so much insight from other organizations. There is a lot to learn, even though I didn't know that before I started my first company. And I was advised so many times like, Oh, go work for someone else first and then start your company. I'm like, Nope, not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, Same mentality. Yeah. But now I'm like, Oh yeah, there would have been a lot of benefit for that. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of benefits. 
But anyways, so going back to elements. So, so at what point did you decide to start something else? And you're still running today, Loki, right? Correct. So that that's also something I want to get into is like, you have two businesses and I think entrepreneurs often want to start another thing and they're not sure when or if they should, because to investors or to other people, it could look like they're not focused. So I can't wait to get into that, but let's start with, how did you come up with the idea for Elements? Where were you? What were you doing? Why? Yeah. So Elements was born out of Loci. We were thinking at Loci about another product that we could make that authentically help people find balance in their life, not just write, find your balance on a t-shirt or a hat and sell it as like a true next product for the brand. Clearly you can see balance is a theme. In yeah. My life. <laughs> like, and we're uh, seeking balance here. <laughs> yeah. And we learned about adaptogens and how in clinical doses, they have benefits that you can really feel. But if you don't use like the clinical dose, it's kind of just BS. And so we set out to create the four formulas an energy focus, calm and sleep. And I believe like the cornerstone of any company is the product. You have to have a great product or you won't be able to be successful. And um, we created the formulas. People loved the function functions. We very quickly realized that beverage and supplements are a very different industry than selling bracelets. And so separated the two entities. One of the first things that I did on the element side was knew my strengths and knew my weaknesses. And I knew I had no beverage, logistics, distribution, sales experience. And so brought on an executive team that have been in the industry for 30 plus years to help me in that venture. It is definitely not advised for your mental health to be running two companies and have kids at the same time. So my plate is definitely full, but no, it's, it's learning a new industry has taught me a ton. I put a high value on growing and learning myself. And so learning, learning my limits of how much I can do, learning a new industry, it's just been drinking from a fire hose. Did, with Elements, did you raise any capital from investors? How was that experience? You're nodding your head yes. You know, the grass is always greener. Loki, I had a friends and family loan at the beginning, but I paid it off and then that was it. And I fully owned it, controlled it, no board. And I always heard all these stories. Oh, raising this much money, raising that much money, venture, all like this whole world of venture capital. And with elements uh, and in beverage, it's very expensive. So I self-funded it to start, uh, but it got to a point where I just, I just couldn't anymore uh, due to the capital needs of the business. And so I started raising outside capital and still am. And Elements will need to raise a, an, another round or two. But yeah, for any entrepreneurs out there, if you can build a business without needing to raise additional capital, do it. But it's so much more glamorous to raise money, isn't it? 
It is not. <laughs> no. But I think everybody wants that TechCrunch article, you know, or that like that article in the in the press about so and so raised X millions of dollars. Yeah, it's not. It's so much work to raise money. <laughs> it is so much work, especially in this market. Yeah. Markets aren't looking great right now. It's no. a little tough out there, I think. But I think you just got to lead. You got to just lead with your mission and what you're doing and having a long-term approach and why you're doing it. I've always valued building a strong foundational business that makes profit. And so Elements is set up to be profitable in the next 24 months which I think is very unusual in the beverage space, but I really value kind of profit over growth. And so that's that, like, that's the approach that I'm taking. So how far has the business elements gotten in terms of retail partners, in terms of revenue, if you can speak to that in terms of whatever, like how, how have, has it gone over the past few years? I'm sure first, maybe first or second year, we're all just product development or something, right? Yeah. You know, it's interesting with Loci, we kind of like got the product, right? Like the initial product, there's a lot of new SKUs we've made. But like the product was there and it was about like, how fast can we scale it in beverage? You're kind of constantly tweaking it and adjusting it, making improvements to the messaging on the can, improvements to the taste. And so you're kind of always iterating and making the product better. And it, it's, it's funny, like when you step out and you look as you scale revenue and open distribution that has a larger customer base, it kind of goes in line with optimizing your product and your offering and your messaging because it's more of a consumable, right? It's not like you buy it once and then you're done. Like with beverage, you want, you need consumers to buy your product regularly in the retail channels that it's in. And so, so far we're in like all doors at Wegmans, we're in Erwan, we just shipped Harris Teeter, we're opening Bristol Farms, we're in the New York airports in JFK and LaGuardia, we're in about 500 CVS doors around the country. So distribution starting to grow. Uh, Amazon is a really successful channel for us. We'll do, Elements will do about 700 grand this year. In year two, last year, about half that. So doubling year over year in a way that's we hope to be very profitable. So there's, there's the devils in the detail in beverage when it comes to distribution and logistics kind of contracts and agreements that you sign. And so we're being very cautious on who we partner with and the margin that we make in each channel. That's awesome. And so when you have these two companies, I was just doing an interview the other day and he has all these ideas, you know, wants to, it's not that he wants to start something new, but he kind of does. He's one of those creators. He likes to create businesses. And I think there is kind of a subset of um, entrepreneurs that really love the creation phase. And I, I sometimes, and this is just like conversation or I just would love to hear your perspective. 
you know, he has like all these ideas and I'm kind of like, just why not go for one of them? You know, like how can you start cutting down some of the time at your, on your current business and, and, you know, get rid of, get rid of some of the things that you're not best at or whatever, and start delegating a little bit more so that you can have more time to maybe do and build something else. Cause I think he's really good at that zero to one, bringing something to life. Maybe he doesn't really enjoy the scaling part, you know? Um, so I'm just curious your thoughts on entrepreneurs having multiple businesses that they own and, and run. Yeah, I think it depends on the individual. Like if you can recognize that you just love to found companies and get them from zero to one, hire a CEO that then runs the company after you create it. I think trying to continue to create new things, but then also you're sitting in as the CEO, but you're not actually interested or focused on building them. I think you'll go really wide, but not very deep and you'll see a bunch of them fail. For me, that wasn't really the intent. I do love to operate and run the business as well. Elements didn't start as being a second business. Uh, the intent was to have another product for Loci. I now have both, so I'm I am doing both. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> so, what are some of the biggest challenges in running two businesses? I guess, yeah. What what's your take on it? What's it like? What's it been just like? The, just the sheer volume of workload. When you're running a business or you're in any role in a business, there's crazy times where you're busy working really late, working more hours. And then there's times of the week or the month or the year where it's slower. When you have two, you're never really getting a break. There's always, there's double the calls, double the emails. It's just double everything. And how do you like separate all of it? You know, like, do you go from having one call for loci and another call for elements? Or do you try to say today is elements day, tomorrow is loci day? Like, how do you kind of separate it? Are you kind of like saying the wrong name and meeting sometimes or like emailing from the wrong address? <laughs> like, How confusing and lines blurred? Like how? I think it's a great question. No, I'm jumping back and forth. Uh, <laughs> oh my <per> God. Or <laughs> email. I have two inboxes, so I at least keep them separate in that way. And to make it even crazier, I have some employees on the loci side who help and support elements. And so within one call, without even saying it, we'll just be switching topics, switching companies. Wow. So I, it sounds like like in your mind, it's still one company, like with just two different products. It's the same mission. Yeah. To help people find balance in their life. I think there are certain personalities that could no, not do that. Like they, they need to focus on like one business at least. You know how some people can be contractors or work at an agency and they have like a bunch of different projects and there's like a lot of these personalities that like to be busy with multiple projects. I, and then there's the person that like is not that personality. I'm married to one of those. So that's all I know. <laughs> it does not he's like gets like what oh, i can't i can't be shifting in and out of things i need to like stay focused on one yeah and, and i would say that and a huge key to success is focus and staying super focused on what you do great within your business so uh, 
I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth because I am running too, but I've learned and I've seen other founders, like you said, get distracted or come up with new ideas because entrepreneurs love to create. And so even within your own company, creating other products, creating other things to do, like sometimes it takes others to tell you, like cut out everything else and just focus on the thing that's really driving the success of the business, right? It's the 80-20 rule, like 20% of what you do drives 80% of the revenue or what whatever the example might be. And so staying laser focused and I, and I try to bring that to both companies. Yeah. That's why I feel like you can have multiple businesses, you know, because it really just requires a lot more priority, prior, prioritization and making sure you're spending time on the right things because you can get super bogged down. And having great people. I've, yeah. I've really prioritized my teams and I couldn't do both without the great teams that I have because it really allows me to not need to worry about certain departments within the organizations and really still focus on being a CEO for both, uh, even though Elements is so young in its life. And when you say focus on being a CEO, what does the CEO role mean to you and what does that entail? To me, it entails thinking about the three to five year vision of where the company is going. What are the singular things that I could do that is going to move the needle the most for the company? And on the element side, fundraising. There was a quote, you you mentioned mastery. There was a quote I read this week that I thought was really interesting by Adam Grant. He said, success is measured by the level of mastery you show, not how hard you work. I always found that to be, that's such an interesting thing because we talk so much about hard work, but no one really talks about like mastery. Do you agree with that? Yes and no. I think it takes hard work to master something. That's true. Yeah. Like I'm 10 years in with Lokai and I just feel like we're just starting to understand who we are, how we tell our story, how we're going to continue to grow as a brand. Like for many years, it was like, let's try this and that. We kind of know what we're doing, but not really. So yeah, the persistence and the hard work over and over and over again, I think creates the mastery. Definitely. (laughs) Well, so thank you for sending over this bracelet, by the way. It's so fun to have this little black dot for the Dead Sea, right? Yeah. And then all of the water from Mount Everest. The water's in the white one. The white one. Yes. So what's in this, the rest of it? They're just clear silicone. Clear. Oh, cool. So like insta- inst- they, every loci has the white and the black bead, but instead of the clear, it will be pink for breast cancer, purple for Alzheimer's, so on. What's the clear mean? The clear, that's just the OG one. That's oh. the, the original one. It is? Is that the first one? No. Yeah, that's our, the first one we made. It is. That's amazing. I didn't realize that. It really is the OG. And it's uh, still about 50% of our total business. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. And does it go to a, a charity as well? 
or no? Because it's it's just clear. So the the overall mission of the company donates ten percent of profits to charity. So it goes into that like bucket okay. that we do things like the Everest expedition to clean up the trash. The cause specific ones that money goes directly to those charities. Interesting. That's awesome. So how many charities have you guys supported with the, all of your bracelets? I'd say between 20 to 35, 20 to 40. That's awesome. Yeah. And some, that's- some larger than others, right? Like we've donated over a million dollars to breast cancer research over a million dollars to make a wish foundation. I think we're getting close to a million dollars with mental health and Alzheimer's. So there are definitely larger ones. But then we've also supported a ton of smaller organizations as well. That's amazing. So what is next for Elements and Loci? On the Elements side, continuing to tweak and dial in the products and build distribution. It's kind of slow and steady wins the race. On the Loci side, I wouldn't say we lost core, we went off course, but one of the things that we thought would help really grow us was making different SKUs for different communities. So we have licenses with all the major sports leagues, Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, uh, Stranger Things, and we continue to just make lots of different SKUs. At one point, we got up to, I think, over 3,000 SKUs. And so from an inventory standpoint, that was a disaster uh, with MOQs, right? Because you then had so much cash tied up in your warehouse in product and just figuring out what people wanted to buy at all times. And it also distracted us from the core mission and message of what we were spreading when we were talking about other people, other licenses. And so we've really worked hard to cut down the number of partnerships that we have and focus on our core message and how we reach more people with that message. Before we kind of wrap up, I want to hear just one, I know we kind of went through ups and downs of your, of the business with Loci, um, but with Elements, what's been one of the most challenging moments that you've faced with that business? Did you have any moments where you're like, maybe this wasn't a great idea. Should I turn back? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, listen, Elements and a new industry is incredibly hard. One of our production runs, which I like basically started to cry. We had like a 30% success rate. So we burned like 70% of our ingredients in cans and shrink sleeves. Oh no. And it just cashed down the toilet. Right. Uh, Ouch. Yeah. Oh, geez. Oh man. I'm sorry. Everybody has a war story, you know? Yeah. But you go through it. I think you realize that in every business, there's highs and lows. And it's about staying level-headed and uh, continuing to push to the next. Absolutely. So what's some uh, final advice you have for entrepreneurs tuning in that are thinking of taking a leap into building their first startup? Maybe they've had an idea for a while. They're not sure if they should quit their job or do it now, or I don't know. What do you, what do you say? If you don't fully believe in yourself, don't start because it's going to be an absolute grind. I mean, you know, and if you don't have that self-confidence and are obsessed with what you're doing and why you're doing it, you'll, you'll stop 
too quickly uh, before you see success. I would say make sure you're starting your company for the right reason, not the wrong. And I can say right now, the wrong is the money. Everyone who thinks or wants to be an entrepreneur, I think initially thinks, oh, I will start this so I can make a lot of money and I'm going to sell the company in three years or five years. It takes twice, three times as long as you think, for the most part. There's some exceptions, right? And the most fulfilling things have nothing to do with the money. And so if you're only doing it for the money, I think there's easier ways to make money than be an entrepreneur. Well, yeah. I mean, I think you make the least amount of money as an entrepreneur. (laughs) It's so much more risky, A, to get that exit. That'll be any sort of payout. It's so much work and money to even have that growth to be attractive, to be acquired. And then along the way, you're just getting paid a shitty salary the whole time. So <laughs> it's like that's the best advice ever. You just heard it. From I'm really optimistic. <laughs> that's what, this is what happens when you have your first company. You just become really jaded and really yeah. like. But if pessimistic. you're an entrepreneur, you have to do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, there, there's no, um, well, I think that you can have moments of doubt, of self-doubt. I think having moments of self-doubt is natural, but I think overall you have to be able to snap out of that and you have to every day be super excited to work on that project yep. or that company, which is hard, I think, to do again. So props to you for like doing it again for another company because I'm over here like, what am, what, what's my next company? I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> I could use some help on elements. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk. We'll talk after the show. Awesome. Well, do you have anything else you'd like to add or anything else you want to let the listeners know? No. If you want to find Lokai, you can go to Lokai.com, L-O-K-A-I.com. And I buy all my drinks on Amazon. And so, of course, we had to put elements up there. You can just search elements of balance drinks and you'll find us. Nice on Amazon. That's awesome. Thank you for having me, Lee. Thanks so much, Stephen. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for listening to the Stairway to CEO podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Lee Green. And if you have any burning business questions, please feel free to reach us at www.stairwaytoceo.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to the show, tell your friends, leave us a review and follow us on Instagram at Stairway to CEO. Until next time, guys, keep on climbing.